Hello and welcome to Beauty Island, the podcast that celebrates life and lipstick. I'm your host, beauty journalist Brittany Stewart, and each episode I sit down with a guest to find out about their life, career, and the eight Desert Island beauty products that have a special memory or meaning for them. This week, I'm delighted to sit down and chat with beauty writer, influencer, and fellow podcast host, Gemma Watts. Gemma is one of my favorite beauty people to follow on Instagram, and although we first met a few years ago, this was the first time we properly sat down and had a chat. In a sea of gushy beauty reviews, Gemma is a breath of fresh air. A beauty writer, photographer, and presenter, she's run her own creative agency for the past two years and is an influencer in her own right. She's sarcastic in the best way. We talked about how she got her start in the industry, her love of fake tan, her rigorous process of trialing and reviewing products, going freelance and launching her own business, and why she never wants to feel comfortable. I hope you enjoy. Gemma Watts. The one and only. (laughs) I'm so (laughs) excited to have you on Beauty Island. Now, I wonder if this is a bit strange for you because you're probably used to, well, you are used to being on the other side of the mic because you also have a fantastic beauty podcast called Glow Journal. Stop it. It's not that strange just because I love talking. So (laughs) whichever side of it I'm on, I'm happy as long as I'm having a chat. So as you know, Beauty Island is all about talking about the eight beauty products that have special memories or significance to you, as well as me being curious and asking all the questions about your life and career. (laughs) So were you always into beauty? Is that something that you developed a passion for at an early age or? Very, very much so. I am. I started dancing, actually we will talk about this when we talk about the products, but I started dancing when I was about three. So some of my earliest memories are like being backstage at a dance concert and having a full face of makeup on. So I think that has probably shaped the kind of beauty that I'm interested in today because I've gone back the other way. I like very natural and stripped back. So perhaps that was because I spent, you know, my early childhood with like, pancake foundation on so I think that turned me off it a bit but there was always a real interest in beauty. In terms of what you do for anyone who doesn't know Mm. the short version is beauty writer but obviously there's a lot more to it than that. Can you tell me a bit about What's the long version? Oh my, there's so many prongs to it. My favorite thing to do is to listen to like my parents and my boyfriend try to explain to people when they're like, oh, what does Gem do? So I, the the bulk of what I do, the crux of it is I run a copywriting business. So I look after the content for a bunch of different beauty brands, um, which is, it's the most fun ever. I love all of my clients. Um, And within that business, I also do a bit of photography. So it's all content. Most of it is beauty bit of fashion bit of wellness all the the fun glossy stuff and then on the side I've got my blog glow journal then as of a fortnight ago depending on when this comes out um launched the podcast so that's just the glow journal podcast and then I do a bit of presenting and emceeing as well because you know what is life if you're not working around you're not busy enough exactly (laughs) Now we will get on to more about how you got to where you are and your mm. podcast and all the exciting things that you do. But first, I would love to hear about your first beauty product, which is linked to your first beauty memory. And I believe it involves a pink can of hairspray. Yes, yes. So this is dancing as well. It's Seidel hairspray, specifically the one in the pink can. Um, for no reason, like it wasn't a better hairspray than anything else on the market. But I just vividly remember that is what everyone backstage at our dance concerts was using. And if you didn't have the pink can of hairspray, 
disaster. And then they became so, I don't know if iconic is the word, but they were so, um, you know, they were a part of the dance school. And then as I got older, we did a routine to a medley from Hairspray after the like reboot of the movie came out and we had the cans on stage. We thought it was very meta, but no one in the <laughs> audience would have understood the relevance. But yeah, I think my earliest beauty memories come back to slicked back ballet buns and a can of hairspray in that. And then even in primary school, two of my best friends, we had a band together and one of the girls, Emily, used to always do a really, really slick high ponytail and I swear we caught up recently and I swear she used to use a half a can of hairspray <laughs> every day for school and then Bianca and I tried it with varying results but yeah I think hairspray sort of shaped a lot of my um, early experiments if you will with beauty and I think it is interesting because as you said you've kind of gone the other way now but mm. I imagine that having to do your makeup for dance from an early age greatly like improved your makeup skills yeah like it was a handy big thing to have. time big time because my my parents are amazing and they were so supportive but they never wanted to be stage parents dancing was something I was I mean hard to believe now because I'm as extroverted as a person can be but I was painfully shy so they threw me into a dance class thinking like oh this you know might get her out of her shell she's three she'll tire of it in a year and then I didn't stop until um I was 21 so they were kind of the reluctant stage parents. So my mum would have to do my makeup for the shows, but she was like, the day you are old enough to do your own makeup is going to be the best day. So I learned quick smart how to slap on some pancake foundation and a bit of rouge. And I imagine, I mean, do you still miss all the costumes? I always remember oh, like very you, much. Because so. when you do dance, you always have those fantastic pictures, don't yep. you? Yep, and we've shoots. still got a lot of the costumes I hope my, I mean, I hope my mum does listen to it, but I hope maybe she skips past this part because there's a lot that I was like, yep, I'll definitely get rid of these or I'll pass them on. But they are shoved away in the spare room. I don't know if she's like gone through that <laughs> cupboard recently, but. Sorted for Halloween. Mm. You're obviously freelance and we'll get to yes. a bit more about what the reality of that is mm. like. But what does a typical um, day look like for you if there is such thing as a typical day? Well, at, yeah, at risk of sounding like a walking cliche, I feel like no two days are the same. But the bulk of it, I like to start early. I just, you know, one of the, the joys of freelance is that you can just work sort of whenever you feel like. And I'm still putting in a lot of time, but... The luxury is that if I wake up at six o'clock in the morning and I want to be at my desk at 6.15, I can do that. And then I think, oh, I can finish early today. It never happens. So I start early. A lot of it is just working on written work for clients. But then doing the podcast now, I'll try and fit in an interview here and there. Um, sometimes there's a shoot. I don't know. This It sounds so... A fluffy but there's yeah no two days are ever the same and well, I imagine that's what keeps you going because it's yeah. interesting you don't I know do what love you're it I do I think um I don't know that I have the personality to work for other people I think that's something I've learned because I've been running my business for two years now and the fact that there is so much to it is is my favorite part I like to be I think the thing with me is if I'm ever comfortable that's scary to me I never want to be too comfortable and I never want to feel like I'm not being pushed. And what did you study at university? Journalism. So I did two years of writing and editing and then I 
that was what was that a diploma cert for and a diploma and then I moved over to journalism but because I'd already done the diploma and I was working as a fashion editor at the time and editing the L'Oreal Paris Australia website they gave me a lot of exemptions from subjects because I feel like you know work experience can sometimes outweigh Written assignment. Sure. Yeah. And how did you get that first break? Because it was at Turing? Couturing, yes. So I mean my first my first um like taste of the industry was when I was eighteen. So because I was doing it was RMIT TAFE, I was the baby. I was the youngest person in the course and there were a lot of people who were adults and working journalists who had gone back to study and, you know, polish up their skills. So they all really encouraged me to get out and start working. So I did an internship for about a month at Universal Magazines and I loved it so much and I thought, okay, I've just got to keep doing this. And I applied for – it was a contributing fashion writer role at Couturing. Um, It was unpaid at the time because they were just a brand-new startup. And within a few months, Tom and Lisa had promoted me to fashion editor and then I stayed there for close to five years. And I think that's interesting because obviously we're talking about fashion here and now the majority Mm. of your work is in beauty. So we will get to that transition, but we do have to talk about your products as well. And you've got some great ones here. So the product that gives you your biggest confidence boost or is a bit of your signature look is a good, an emphasis on a good yes. fake tan. Tell yes. me about that. I've had my fair share of bad fake tans. I, I mean, again, it sounds fluffy, but I just love the feeling of having a tan. I use James Reed at the moment. The man's a genius. I just, I don't know. I mean, it's everyone's got their product that gives them a lift and I can be feeling so disgusting even sick I feel like if I feel under the weather if I just douse myself in a bit of a chocolate hued mousse I feel amazing if you're feeling sluggish oh there's nothing like it I just yeah I feel like once I've got a tan it's the same thing as you know when you would come back from a I think about school and someone would go on a beach holiday in the September holidays and they'd come back first day of term four and everyone would go, oh, you're so brown. It's the same thing, but without having to lie out in the sun because I refuse to sunbake. I want to look this age forever. A very good ethos. And Mm. are you a, if you had your choice, money was no object, do you still self-tan at home or do you enjoy a professional spray tan? Oh, I love a professional spray tan. Um, I mean, just the so I don't have to worry about my back. Really, I have first world problems, but I just feel like I'm going to dislocate a shoulder every (laughs) time I, you know, whack the mitt on. But got to do what you got to do. Now, as you mentioned, you worked for as an in-house journalist at L'Oreal Paris, yes, and as well uh, as fashion editor of Couturing, yes. I imagine you had some kind of incredible pinch me experiences in those roles. The whole um. I mean, getting L'Oreal was crazy. I was working at Couturing and I was still studying. Couturing was happening sort of in my spare time. Um, Tom and Lisa were so flexible with us. So they would say, okay, you've got to get... And I had a team of writers as well. So they would say, you've got to get X number of articles up throughout the week. If you want to write them yourself, great. If you want to delegate, great. Up to you. Um, L'Oreal had just... It's it, it's a confusing... Um, 
structure the way the website worked, but they had um, their advertorial platform was managed by the L'Oreal Paris office. So L'Oreal Paris Australia were outsourcing the digital to Paris and then Paris were employing myself and another journalist in Australia. So it was this confusing triangle um, and it meant that all of my emails from them came through in the middle of the night. So good work like really, balance. Yeah, I didn't really switch off for a two-year period, but they um, they headhunted me. They'd seen some of my work on couturing, reached out. I did a test piece and, yeah, within a couple of weeks I was writing for them. So I did a year stint as, um, as a contributing writer for them and then I got the editor left and then I got promoted to her role and I did that for a year. Incredible. Then it got to the end of the two years and I thought, oh, you can't have two full-time jobs. You just can't do it. So um, Couturing had the capacity to bring me on full, full-time at that point and I had just graduated and the timing was serendipitous. Perfect. Mm. Now, uh, the third product on your list is one of your greatest discoveries, which I think is a big accolade because you've obviously tried an enormous amount of products in, in your career so far. <laughs> so Alpha H Liquid Gold, oh. you hear about this a lot. So can you tell us why it is so fantastic? So I, my mum, you know how, I mean, now it's different, but when you're younger, your parents will, like stocking fillers isn't just a term. It physically means like they are trying to fill room in the stocking. So <laughs> mum when I was, I would have been 18 or 19, mum had just bought this skincare set. She was like, oh, Gemma likes skincare. We'll just whack that in there. And it was an Alpha H, I don't know what you would call it, a travel kit or a discovery set. Liquid gold, I it was before I fully understood the science of skincare and now I understand what it was doing and why it worked so well almost immediately. But at the time, I was describing it as just waking up with better skin and you can only you're only supposed to use it on every second night at most and I know now that this is because it's a chemical exfoliant and it would have been just stripping the skin's barrier off if I were to use it every night but I looked forwards I looked forward sorry to those nights that I would use it because I knew I was going to wake up to a good skin day and I still use that often now so that's been with me for a long time and I think that probably researching that product because I became really curious like why is this product working so much better than the uh, the old like cleanse tone moisturize that we're told when we're a teenager so I started researching and trying to work out what it was about this product that was changing my skin so rapidly and I think that played a pretty big part in my fascination with the science of skincare now and I think, I mean, I know that's one of the things that I love about your beauty writing is that you're not just like, this is a shiny product and it's Thank good. You. you really go and explain in a really accessible way why it works and why you like it. Is that something you're really passionate about? Very much so. And I'm thank you. That's really nice. I'm glad that that's um, coming across that way. I think I just, I think it's it's a respect for the followers thing. I don't think that it's enough to just show people a product and say love this and expect them to trust you I don't think that's fair on people I think you need to give your followers a reason to trust you which is why I try to break things down and I will never just say this is my favorite lipstick I'm going to tell you how long it lasts what it feels like what the finish is like and the same goes for skincare especially so yeah I think it, it comes down to trust and if you haven't got that as an influencer if you will or a blogger in any capacity 
if you haven't got trust, then, you know, what have you got? Exactly. And I mean, I, that's something that I think you are quite transparent about, that when you review a product, it's never, or rarely, and you'll always say if it is, just yeah. from the initial use. So what's your your kind of strategy? Because you really mm. try things for a long time, don't you? So I have a clause with all of the brands that I work with, mostly skincare. I feel like with a foundation, you can try something a few times as long as you've tried it in different temperatures day and night um you know with a variety of primers and moisturizers and stuff underneath but with skincare in particular I have a clause with brands that I have to try the product for three weeks before I even commit to same with hair care actually before I even commit to um to doing a review sponsored or otherwise because I would hate to accept x amount of money to review a product that I haven't tried and then discover that it doesn't work and I just don't think I could live with myself so you you lose jobs because of it if a brand's um bringing out a product and they're like this launches on Friday can you get a post up before then I'm always going to say no I'm happy to lose out on a job um if it means that I've still got that integrity that's what's really important to me and I think that helps in the long run because mm. your followers know that they can go to you knowing that you you have that stance and then yeah. more brands are going to come to you because they know that you have an authentic following I hope so I hope that comes across and I had I, I hashtag when things aren't sponsored now as well because I was doing I use a lot of products from Mecca um just because I love the brands that they stock and I love their whole process with bringing brands on board but they got to a point where people were like, we get it, you're sponsored <laughs> by Mecca. And I had to say, well, no, I'm not. I just genuinely like these products. So, yeah, I've sort of... I really like mm. that hashtag you use. What, not, not hashtag sponsored, not sponsored. Is good. Is good. Yeah, it's so good. You talked about how your signature makeup look is kind of... I mean, I'm looking at you now. It's so fucking dewy. <laughs> it's glorious. I think it's just sweat. <laughs> if you were to... Not have it necessarily for work, but if you're just putting makeup on, mm. is that your go-to regardless of the situation? Absolutely. Do you like getting glammed up? I Even love it. So? I absolutely love it. But even even if I'm getting my makeup done by a makeup artist, the brief from me is always, I still want my skin to look like skin. I, um, I have huge respect for makeup artists that can do that whole Kardashian contouring thing because that stems from drag. Like that's artwork and it takes so long to do and to do it well. It's just not my style. And um, truth be told, I don't think I would be any good at it. What I like doing and what I like wearing is just really paired back. It's still a lot of products, but there's a difference between using a lot of products and using a lot of makeup. So at the moment, I've like I did a full skin. This is from this morning, but did my full skincare routine um, primed. Then I did tinted moisturizer. Then I went in with a spot concealer, under eyes, bronzer, blush, and so on and so on. But it's a tiny amount of product and then you layer it. And you've obviously also interviewed and spoken to lots of makeup artists Mm. as well as your own experiences with makeup. Has there ever been one recommendation or tip that has really stuck with you? Um, A lot Oh, there's so many. There's so many. I'm going to, I'm going to cheat and tell you two. I definitely love when um, makeup artists will mix a bit of highlight. I mean, this isn't a a secret anymore, but just mixing a bit of highlighter in with your foundation, just to give the skin that sort of lit with lit from within glow. That's a favorite of mine. Um, But more recently, um, Ray Morris was saying anything she says I take as gospel 
wait a bit after you've put your foundation on. Um, your foundation always looks better after you let it sit on the skin for a bit. And even, you know, if you apply a matte foundation, it's not going to look matte straight away. It still has that bit of sheen and attack to it. So I will do my foundation and then I'll move on to something like brows or mascara or I'll go and clean my teeth or have a cuppa. Like I'll just let the foundation do its thing before I come back in and layer products over the top. And speaking of glow, perfectly ties us into the beauty product you always repurchase. Yes. And this is my favorite question to ask um, people in the beauty industry mm-hmm. because obviously you are getting sent a lot of products mm. and the fact that this is one you're willing to time and time again yes. shell your own money out on. So what is so brilliant? Tell, tell us what this product is and why it's so brilliant. Kevin Aquan Celestial Skin Liquid Lighting. It, it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, <laughs> but it... Um, it ties in with what I was saying before. Um, you can use it in so many ways. It is, it's like a liquid illuminizer, highlighter, whatever your preferred term is. You can use it as a primer underneath your foundation. You can mix it in with the foundation. You can apply it as a highlighter on its own. You can just wear it on its own. It is the most natural looking highlighter I've come across because it doesn't have these sort of chunky shimmer particles to it it's it really is just a glow and I feel like the right highlighter can almost I uh, sort of diffuse and reflect the light and just blur the skin and that you know if you're having a bit of a crap skin day <laughs> that's what we need so that's a favorite and it just it sits beautifully on the skin um yeah it's just one of those products where the first time I put it on I was like this is this is for me and I suppose he's obviously or was an, an infamous mm, makeup art, talented makeup artist and his products sit at the slightly higher end of the scale, yes. but they are worth it. Like I swear by the volume mascara. Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. All of his products are amazing. Um, as you said, I am really lucky that I do get sent a lot of stuff. Um, so it does mean I have the luxury of having a bit extra to spend on beauty because I've got so like you know I can sort of prioritize which products I want to splurge on and what I've got at home so I'm very very lucky in that regard but I think you know it comes down to you know what just what you're willing to spend I don't th- I would never say that oh this is a must-have because nothing and nothing in life is a must-have as long as you've got you know food on the table and a roof over your head but if you have the money to spend on a product then yeah why not? Absolutely. Now, you've been running your own business for two... Two years. This week is actually my, my second birthday. Congratulations. Thank you. What made you take the leap? So a couple of things. The first being that I was... The writing that I was doing was as a fashion writer and I didn't love fashion as much anymore I what I loved was beauty and I think because when I first became a fashion writer it was about interviewing designers and reviewing collections and now um the bulk of it is um personal style bloggers and that's not me and I have so many friends that are fashion bloggers and they are amazing I don't think that if I were to start taking outfit photos or doing that I don't feel that I would be um adding anything different into the mix and it would just be noise 
which is unnecessary. So I think the fashion industry as a whole had changed so much, whereas I still feel with beauty, there is room for reviewing products, interviewing makeup artists, interviewing brand founders. It's not just putting the makeup on. So I felt that that was the right place for me. Um, and it is, I feel like I really found my niche. Um, the other side of it was um, the business had changed quite a lot to um, they're, they're an amazing digital marketing agency and they do a lot of content, but a lot of strategy and a lot of what my role had become was, um, you know, coming up with strategies for brands and that's not my strength. Um, and because, because it wasn't my strength, I was getting a bit down on myself and, my favorite thing to do is create the content. Someone else can hand me the strategy. I'll execute it, but strategy is not my thing. And I had enough freelance writing work and a bit of photography backed up. And I, it got to a point where I was like, you know, if I don't do it now, I may never do it. Never want to be comfortable. I think that's so interesting. And I think particularly what you're saying about when you feel comfortable, is that kind of the signal that you're ready for the next thing to set yourself the next challenge? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, that's sort of been the, the driver for everything that I do. I um, you know, I got uh, talent management this year, which is, you know, something I didn't think I would ever do. But that has that was because I felt like everything was um, just running really smoothly. And then I was like, OK, how can I take this to the next level? And then, um, yeah, again, serendipitous timing. So I've been very lucky with with timing in my life thus far but um yeah as soon as I feel like things are running too smoothly my instinct is just to throw something else into the mix hence starting a podcast <laughs> as I'm sure you understand we'll get to the I'm really excited to talk more about <laughs> um you've got lots of questions for about Glad. Glow General the podcast <laughs> but you you were on YouTube for a bit as well and then mm. you made the decision to kind of pivot which I think is really interesting because yes. I feel like YouTube, particularly in the beauty space, is enormous, but mm. things have changed so much even in the last two years. Yes. So what was the decision behind that? YouTube is not for me, to put it simply. I um, My sense of humour, I think, um, is the big thing. I'm, I'm very dry and, you know, I have, this is my voice at all times. No matter how excited I am, this is how <laughs> it's going to sound. I think my sense of humour and just the way that I, you know, string a sentence together, that translates in the written word. Um, the YouTube beauty community is very up and about. It's about swatching the products, physically applying the makeup, which as much as I love doing, I'm not a makeup artist, so that's not my strong point. So it's not interesting content for me to just plonk myself down in front of the camera and review a product. It's, it's not me. It didn't feel like me. And the fact that I wasn't 100% comfortable doing it definitely came across in the videos. And people were so nice and um, everyone was really supportive, but I never want to pump out content for the sake of pumping out content. And if I were to keep doing YouTube, that would have been what I was doing. And I think that's a skill in itself, identifying your strengths. Mm. No, and ending up with something so much better. There's, like you said, there's no point doing it just because everybody else is doing it. Absolutely. And I think that's why I, um, that was sort of the reason I stripped back my um, photography style just for my Instagram and my website because I was doing all of those, 
you know, flat lays with the dipped egg candle in the background. And while that's beautiful, I realized, eh, start, this is so tedious and all my photos were starting to look um, like too placed and people were coming to my profile to read the content. So I was like, okay, well, why would I spend half an hour trying to set up this flat lay when people are just coming to see what the product is and see what I have to say about it? So that makes me sound rather reactive with what people were looking for, but it really was more um, just what I feel comfortable doing. I'm a bit selfish in that regard. If I don't like doing something, yeah, I'm not going to do it. And that's that's what you do, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, got to do what you got to do. Now, obviously, the most recent exciting things that you've done is launch your own podcast. Mm. Glow Journal, the podcast, or just Glow Journal? I think it's just the Glow Journal the podcast, Glow Journal podcast. Uh, for the sake of um, consistency across all platforms, really. By the time this episode comes out, there'll be a few episodes. Yeah. What was the thinking behind? What do you want to bring with this podcast? Because... I mean, it may sound like it's just sitting in front of a mic and really easy, but there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. Yes, there is. So um, the same as the reason I got into fashion writing in the first place is I love stories. I love hearing people's stories. Um, and I have, having run my own business for two years now, I'm really fascinated in business as well. So a lot of what I listen to comes out of the US and the UK and um you know, it's chats with not just beauty brand founders, but um, company founders with great stories behind them. And I, because I work by myself and from home, if I don't have podcasts playing in the background, if I don't have voices, I would lose my mind, which <laughs> is why your podcast has been a godsend. Oh, um, I would go crazy. So I was listening to all of these podcasts and then um, all good ideas come to people in the shower I think and I was just having a shower and I was like why am I not doing this like I ha I you know there are so many great Australian companies with amazing people at the helm and stories to tell and it's not just um Australian brands that I'm talking to I've got international guests as well but the thing was that none of that content was coming out of Australia so um yeah, that's been another driver for me is just to find the gap and slot myself into it. So I think that's what I've done or am trying to do. Definitely. I love it. And I think you're so right. There are so many US versions, mm. but particularly in the beauty space, it's only really now that Australian podcasts are getting yes. in. And I obviously I love it because I've asked you to come on here, but highly recommend Glow Journal. The first episode with Ray Morris. I mean, the she's stories so that she's amazing. telling about how Naomi Campbell helped to give her her break. This is the thing. They're just gems. This is the thing because, like, there are so many stories. And, and, I mean, this is just Mutual Admiration Society. That's why I love <laughs> this podcast. And I also think this is a good example of um, there's room for everyone. I spend all day, every day listening to podcasts. I've got room for more. Everyone's doing different things and everyone's playing to their strengths. So, yeah, why not? Yeah. We're just both greedy. We just want all the beauty podcasts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Got all the time in the world. Now the next product on your list mm. um, is the product you use to treat yourself, which are regular peels or insulin facial treatments, which yes. I think is interesting because a lot of the people in the industry, it's kind of a regular part of their routine. But for someone outside, the thought, just the overwhelming, like, where do you start? What do you choose? I'm lucky in that one of my best friends is a dermal therapist. So she... Um, it's also good with reviewing products because if I start reviewing something that she thinks is a bit fluffy, she's like, Jem, reel it in. This, <laughs> this is not going to work. 
Um, so she first got me in salon a few years ago when I had uh, just my skin went, it, it lost it. I had had um, no real skin issues through my teens and you think, okay, I'm in my 20s now, I'm over the hurdle. Um, not the case. And it was it was just down to stress. So, God, the human body is a strange, strange, mysterious beast. But um, she got me in salon and um, we started doing regular um, – we would do a peel and a vitamin infusion because it was – for me it was more about um, – there are a couple of things that are important to me with salon treatments. The first being starting with a clean canvas because I am trying so many products all the time. I like to get in salon and – have a peel because then I feel like when I jump into the next trial, I'm starting with a a clean canvas. Um, The second being the vitamin infusions, again, because I'm trying so many products, we need to work to kind of rebuild my skin's barrier so that it's functioning at its healthiest. Um, Recently, I started using Rationale products and I had a treatment in salon with them a couple of weeks ago now and the difference that I've seen already has just been out of sight. So I think for me, um, getting regular treatments and also I I don't shop around with salons. I'm again, so fortunate given my job that I get invited into salons quite often, but nothing pains me more than seeing a review from someone on a salon treatment three hours after they've been in there going, oh my God, my skin's never looked better. Okay, well, it probably has because this is a treatment that's designed to be uh, part of a course of six treatments um, and it's also anti-aging and you're 22. So that's that's my sort of bugbear. But um, yeah, I think not shopping around for facials has been a big one and going to places that I trust um, where I know they're actually going to deliver what I need for the health of my skin and not just what is trending at the time like microdermabrasion for example um so many people love that it doesn't work for my skin so I'm not gonna jump in salon and do it just because everyone else is because that would be crazy of me rather than a specific skin concern if your skin is just feeling blur yeah what is your your go-to treatment or your go-to place well if it's feeling blur I'll probably revert back to the old alpha h liquid gold because I feel like that's um being a chemical exfoliant it just gets rid of any of that dry dull looking skin so you look a bit brighter um and also a mask I I love a good mask and yeah again I'm at the you've caught me while I'm in the middle of exclusively trialing rationale so I um I've been using their the mask it's in the number one pot I think it's immunologist and it's amazing I love a Sunday night mask and the beauty of a mask is that you know there are so many to target really specific skin concerns so mine is usually dullness because my skin errs towards dry but there's something for everyone are you a sheet masker or a yes tub masker, I know masker? both I'm both um I for um like lasting results something in a pot absolutely I love a sheet mask pre-event I feel like doing a sheet mask in the evening and then going to bed is not going to do a whole lot but I love a sheet mask as like event skin prep because it sort of locks all that juice in obviously you get to go to a lot of beauty events and glamorous yes. things and you also go to the Logies oh right? yeah that's or okay. the brown note the, the Logies this is actually so funny um 
You can't say your own story is funny, Gemma. How very deep, but this is a good one. So my godmother um, is she's the talent producer. So my job at the Logies and my job for the last seven, eight years um, during the rehearsals. This is the most Gemma job you've ever heard of. My job during the rehearsals is to sit um, in the seats uh, where the nominees are so that the cameramen can work out the best path from the seat up to the stage and then I have to do an acceptance speech. So they'll say to me, Love like, it. do a, a quick one so we can practice, like, filling with the music or do a long one so we can flash the wrap-up sign. So... Um, that's my job during rehearsals. So you've and then, won countless Logies yeah, by proxy. absolutely. I mean, it's only a matter of time before I <laughs> truly win gold. And then on the night, we fill seats. It's the best gig ever. We just have to look like we belong there. And it's a large-scale game of musical chairs. And I imagine you would see some things because I feel like in those situations, once kind of the cameras are gone, that's when celebrities just... I haven't seen too much. I think... um. It's, you know, it's hyped up to be this sort of night of debauchery, but, um, you know, at the heart of it, it's still an industry night. And a lot of these celebrities, whether they're, you know, young and it's their first one or, uh, you know, if they've been going to it for years, their bosses are there. The network executives are there. So they make a fool of themselves. You know, it's it's, it's no different to if you got wasted at a work Christmas party, <laughs> you're going to get some looks when you turn up to work in the Monday. Probably best avoided. Exactly. <laughs> Now, you said you kind of used to be quite introverted. Now you're obviously confident. When I say used to, I was like three, four, five. Okay. So you've had a fair few years of... Yes. yes. So when you are in those situations, whether it's at the Logies, whether it's mm. at um, beauty events, mm-hmm. I'm always interested, are you the person that's going up and introducing yourself or are you in the corner, on your phone, oh, by the I food? I will talk to... I mean, I'm by the food, but also I will talk to anyone. Like, I just... You know, as evidenced today, <laughs> I love a chat. I'm I'm a classic extrovert in that I get my energy from being around people. And while I do, I'm an only child, so I do like to be my myself and um recharge my batteries in that way. But I will leave an event and feel really energized. I'm quite at risk of sounding like a brat. I don't go to as many events anymore purely because... Um, I mean, it's just timing. It's just timing. So sometimes it can be quite difficult to get yourself to an event and, you know, spend you, – you don't want to just rock up for 15 minutes and then leave because I feel like that's almost ruder. So I don't go to as many anymore, um, but that is how I sort of get my energy from being around people. And I have – you know, we have a lot of beautiful people in this industry and it's nice to have the opportunity to catch up and see what everyone's up to. So I do love that part of it. And I think that was – that's always quite interesting. I think it applies to both fashion and beauty, not necessarily just in Melbourne, but mm. in Australia in general. It is quite a small community. You do it get is. to know people and you're seeing the same people at events. So mm. a lot of people, rather than kind of competitors, are actually friends, which Absolutely. is nice. Absolutely. I mean, it's the same as what we're saying with podcasting. There's room for everyone. Everyone's got their own thing. Um, it's uh, It's a heavily saturated industry, but if you're in it and you love it, then that's the best thing and from an outsider's perspective it probably seems like it would be this bitchy thing I mean fashion and beauty are about as you know glossy as it gets and I think people just think of like Devil Wears Prada and yeah that's where the mind goes but 
I haven't had any dramas, touch wood. <laughs> yeah, everyone's been very nice to me. But, I, you know, if you're, if you're not an asshole, people can't really be an asshole to you. Exactly. Yeah, that's, my, that's how I live my life. <laughs> What's your favourite thing and your least favourite thing about what you do? Um, I, oh my, there's so many things about it that I love. I think my favourite thing, which is very much an umbrella term is just being creative I like um my favorite thing is crafting a voice for a brand so I like when a company um is maybe just starting their blog or just starting to craft content for their website and even for their packaging um I like when they just hand the reins over to me my favorite thing to do is to treat the brand as though it's a person um I think Zoe Foster Blake and Go To Skincare do that really well in that the voice is so consistent across all of their the packaging marketing collateral social so that's my favorite thing to do my least favorite thing um chasing invoices just the, <laughs> it you know that's it's part of running a business especially when the business is in its infancy you've got to wear every hat so at the moment I do outsource a bit particularly like I don't do video content myself so if a client wants video um that's when I'll bring on a contractor same with a lot of photography hair and makeup that kind of thing so I do work with contractors, but um, yeah, I've got to wear the admin hat. I've got to wear many hats, many hats. (laughs) Big wardrobe of hats. Mm. What has been a career highlight for you? Has there been anyone that you've met that you've just, that is kind of an idol for you? And did they live up to your expectation? There's been a lot. I met Jane Fonda. Wow. Last month. That was, that still hasn't quite sunk in. That was really amazing. Um, just a it was just a special night because I knew she was um I knew she was an activist but I didn't realize to the extent that she was an activist so she was doing a um like a one night in Melbourne thing and she did one in Sydney um and because she's a L'Oreal ambassador L'Oreal invited me to do um there was a like a very intimate meet and greet beforehand and it was that was a real pinch me um there's been a lot. I, a real career highlight was um, this. It's been a good year. It's been a really good year. I, I love um, presenting and public speaking. And at the start of this year, I got to host um, the Melbourne leg of Maya's Find Your Feeling event series. So it was all of these beauty masterclasses with some of the country's best makeup artists and the people behind the brands. And um, I learned so much just from being up on stage with those people. And so that was surreal and i spoke at facebook head office That's i mean it was just a small yeah. small little achievement yeah it feels like a bit of a wank to drop all of that into That's one what conversation for. but yeah it's this it's is been your a really station it's been a really really good year and i think um yeah I, i've been working particularly hard the last 12 months so it's nice that it's all kind of but you're reaping the rewards of your hard work yeah it is good um I do think the the joys of self-employment is that could dry up at any minute but I am (laughs) uh, just gonna ride the wave for as long as I can and yeah as I said if I start to get comfortable I know I've just got to hustle harder Now, the most expensive beauty product you've ever used, slash one of your favorites. And I said this to you before. Such an unoriginal answer. It's interesting because this is like the third time it's come up. So there really must be something you're not lying about. As soon as I listened to episode one with Dom and she said it, I was like, damn it, Dom. (laughs) (laughs) So, of course, we are talking about Creme de la Mer, Mm. which from previous research, the most expensive tub is about $600. 
hundred and something dollars. Oh, it's crazy. And this is the thing. And I and Dom said, you know, basically, I'm just echoing her sentiments. I am very fortunate that I um, I don't have to buy that six hundred and fifty dollar jar. I did use it before I was, um, you know, in this position and before I had done any work with the brand. Um, a makeup artist used it on me years and years and years ago. Um, and I saw as she was un, like taking the lid off. I was a bit, I'm a bit of a like, nothing is worth $650. So I was like, oh, here we go. And then she put it on my skin and I, uh, there's, there's nothing like it. It's as simple as that. There's no, you know, drugstore dupes for it. Um, so I was just buying the little like travel size pots because it felt like less of a hit to the bank account. But in retrospect, I should have just bought the full size. <laughs> it adds up of, when, yeah, you, do lot, when yeah. you keep doing it. Um, so I'm very lucky, but it's, it is a luxury and it, it helps to illustrate my point that nothing is a must have. If you have $650 to spend on a moisturizer, go to town. Um, frankly, I don't, I'm trying to buy a house at the moment. Um, but if, a, if a product's beautiful and I love using it, then, you know, I know that causes a bit of controversy. People, um, promoting products that they wouldn't go out and buy themselves but I found a way to go out and buy it myself before I was in this position and god knows what I'll do um if I stop being a beauty writer at any point because I'm obsessed with it now I'm an addict expensive habit (laughs) Mm, I mean I can think of worse addictions to have oh for sure mm, crack (laughs) yeah Yeah. I mean which one's more expensive (laughs) this is true now, obviously, I mean, do you call yourself an influencer or maybe not? Or do you accept that you are a bit of an influencer? I I know it's... Um, here's the thing. I feel like the trend is and we're supposed to say, oh, my God, I hate the term influencer. If I'm influencing people to purchase a product, then I'm doing my job. That's That's what it is. And that's what, I mean, really, that's anything in media you're influencing a person to feel a certain way or to change someone's opinion so yeah if people are dubbing me an influencer I don't mind that at all that just means that the content's getting through to people because I think it's interesting and we talk about kind of disclosing sponsored posts and things Mm. like that we're at a very people still aren't doing which is crazy to me does that frustrate you big time big time but again you know I I, I don't think about it too much. I just sort of stay in my lane. I don't care so much about followers and that. What gets me is when people are complaining about the algorithm because they're like, oh, people with more followers, are, you know, I'm losing jobs to them. I, I don't have that many followers in the grand scheme of things and I'm still working. So as long as your content's good and you're being honest with people, I don't think it really matters. So authenticity is something that's really important to you? Big time, big time, especially with beauty. I'm... This is something I talked about at Facebook, which name drop. Um, <laughs> I think with beauty blogging and, you know, being a beauty influencer, if you will, on Instagram, um, authenticity and trust are the most important things. With fashion, and this in no way is this to minimize what fashion bloggers do, if someone I had never seen before in my life walked past me on the street with a fabulous jacket on, I might go out and buy that jacket. I have no relationship with that person. I don't trust them. I don't know anything about them. But if I like that jacket, I'm going to buy it. If that same person walks past me on the street and says, 
this serum is going to change your skin forever. I'm going to start asking questions. I'm going to be like, okay, well, what is your skin type? How long did you use it for? So I think trust is the most important thing. And as I said before, if I haven't got, um, you know, a level of transparency with my followers, then I haven't really got a job. What is something that people might not know about you? But do you have any passions outside of beauty and fashion? I have a lot of passions outside of um, beauty and fashion. Um, I, I mean, as I said before, dance has been a really, really big part of my life. So I love, I still take the odd class when I can fit it in my sad arthritic back, (laughs) whatever it can handle. And I like, I love the theater. I love going to musicals. Yeah. That's sort of a, a perfect night out for me. It's like a good dinner, good wine, and then going to a show, which again, makes me sound like a real wanker, but it's just fun for me. Like I love I love the arts in general. It's just culture, isn't it? Yeah, we're so lucky being in Melbourne that we've got so much of that. Um, And my parents, um, despite their reluctancy to be stage parents, they love musicals as well. We're not like, um, we're not super highbrow. We're not going and sitting in on um, abstract plays, (laughs) but we, um, yeah, we we just love a show. Dinner and a show. Yeah. Are you close to your family? Very much so. I'm an only child. I have the best parents. They're my best mates. Um, they party harder than I do, which is a sad thing for someone <laughs> in their mid-twenties to say. Um, but they just, they're just fun. They're fun. Um, I learn a lot from them. They're, I think the fact that I am an only child means we are really tight-knit. And I think that also, in some strange way, I think that's why I'm such an extrovert. Because when I was a kid... I would go to like parties and stuff with them because party animals, but there were no other kids. So I, you know, it was the nineties. They couldn't just plonk an iPad or something in front of me. I had to learn to have a proper conversation and sit down with an adult and talk to them about what was going on in the world. So I'm very close with my parents and my extended family as well. My parents have a huge social circle. So (laughs) that would be putting it lightly, actually. Um, (laughs) They'll laugh when they hear this, but they um all of their friends are sort of my family now like my godmother that I mentioned before she's not actually my godmother she's just my parents best friend um but she feels like family mum's one of seven so that side of the family is massive and I'm one of the babies so all of my cousins are like married and have kids and then dad just has an older sister but I'm close to that side of the family as well we're just yeah we're lucky we're lucky that we're all sort of surrounded by yeah and everyone's doing something different as well which is really nice we're not we're not all into the arts or we're not all into sports like there's you know always something to to learn from other people I think and so who would you say is someone that has really shaped you either personally or professionally is it your parents yeah definitely um definitely mum and dad despite neither of them um having a huge interest in writing or beauty or anything like that they've always they've always I was talking to them just the other day actually they have always their whole attitude has been you can do whatever you know whatever job you want to do we're not going to be disappointed in whatever you choose as long as you're doing it because you love it like they never wanted me to take the option that would pay the most or um, the option that would be the easiest they were like if you want to be a house cleaner do it because you love it and be the best house cleaner anyone's ever seen. So I think one of my, I would like to think that one of my defining 
characteristics is my work ethic and that definitely comes from mum and dad. It's such an important support to have because, I mean, there's enough pressure trying to work out what you want to do yourself without an expectation set by Mm. those around you now we're getting on to the final few products Mm. and the product you would trust with your life and we had a bit of a laugh about the correct pronunciation of this i can pronounce the brand embryolis beautiful but uh, the rest of it everyone knows that it's that moisturizer in the tube it's white with the blue (laughs) blue swirls and writing we'll obviously put the full name yes in the show notes but what is so great about it why do you love it so I feel like this is a um, a recurring theme, but I hate when someone or something claims that something will do this and then it doesn't do it. What I love about this product, it is a basic moisturizer. It doesn't make any claims surrounding aging, pigmentation, any anything like that. All it claims to do is moisturize the skin and to me, that is what a moisturizer should do. Your serums are where you jump in to target your specific skin concerns. Your moisturizer should just be a moisturizer and this gets the job done. I've never, you know, it's it's not going to change your skin overnight. It's going to hydrate your skin. That's, you know, that's what I want from a moisturizer. So I just find it very refreshing for a brand to not make any claims beyond what it can actually do. Are there any cult products or products that a lot of people rave about that you either just don't get the hype or that haven't worked for you? Yes. Yes, lots. I mean, microdermabrasion is is one. Um, oh, I'm going to get in. I've Actually, no, I'm not going to get in trouble. I've said this on Instagram before. Beauty Blender doesn't work. Really? Yeah. I love makeup artists use it on me. Amazing. I cannot, for the life of me, get my skin to look the way I want it to look using a beauty blender. But then a makeup artist will use the exact same products. Maybe I'm just doing it wrong. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It, to me, it just it looks time-consuming. I'd rather just slap something on, blend it on with a really good brush. And so are you a brush the, yeah, with, when it comes to foundation? Big time. Ray Morris brushes, again, they're so expensive. These are ones that I actually have bought with my own money because they are so good. And I feel like if you have the right brushes, it can change. You could be using the cheapest products and they'll still look really, really good. Um, So that's a product that... um, Interesting. But I think for me, I've been asked on Instagram before, why don't you post negative reviews? And I think people um, get arc up with me because they're like, oh, she, she doesn't want to ruffle any feathers. It's not that. It's just that different things work for different skin so I would hate to slag off you know xyz cleanser because it doesn't work for my skin someone who has been looking for their perfect cleanser could read that and go oh well I'm not trying that but it's actually the you know the miracle salve that they've been after and I've just turned this person off their perfect product so I would never slag anything off but it also you know just to add to that point go in and ask for samples of things because what works for me creme de la mer it's it's the best thing. I use it every single day. It's my moisturizer. It's my primer. I'm obsessed with it. But don't fork out hundreds upon hundreds of dollars on this moisturizer if you don't know if your skin's going to like it. And I would also point out that I haven't actually tried Ray Morris's brushes, but I've heard such amazing things. And if you want wonderful. to hear why they're so good, you should definitely listen to Ray Morris's oh, episode a with you. Fabulous story! Because I have no idea. Fascinating. We won't mm. spoil it, so no. <laughs> search the Glow Journal podcast and listen to the Ray Morris episode. Plug. Your mind will be blown. <laughs> and your final product, 
reaching the end before oh, I'm sending you, off, sending you off to Beauty Island. <laughs> the perfume that holds a special memory for you. Yes. I mean, it, we're just talking about parents again. YSL Paris. Um, my mum, she still wears it, but I give her a lot of perfumes because this is my job, reviewing products. And um, I can appreciate a beautiful perfume, but if it's not for me and things sit differently on other people's skin. Anyway, I digress. Um, YSL Paris was one that she wore a lot when I was younger. I can smell it from a mile away. I, scent is, I think it's our strongest sense, and I, it's the one most closely linked to memory. When I was, um, I did an exchange trip to Paris or to France when I was 16. And when I got a bit homesick, I went to a beauty counter and just sprayed YSL oh. Paris on some cards and had them with me. And I just felt like I was back at home. So that's a, yeah. The power of scent. And you are it's a big so perfume amazing. lover, oh, aren't you? I, I'm so passionate And so about knowledgeable fragrance. about perfume. I mean, I like to think I am, but um, the best Instagram account for perfume is um, The Accords. She's a genius. I learn a lot from her. This is the thing where we can all learn things from each other just because we're working in the same industry doesn't mean we're competing, but I'm so passionate about fragrance and that's another um, bugbear for me when someone posts a photo of a bottle of perfume and go, oh, love this new fragrance. What does it smell like? What are the notes? How long did it last on the skin? What did it remind you of? So that's, um, yeah, I'm really passionate about perfume. I feel naked if I haven't got something on. Do you, are you a signature scent kind of person or do you have quite a vast perfume collection? I have so, so, so many perfumes. They're all um, within a similar family. I really like, you know, smokes and woods and spices. I love a good unisex scent. My signature scent is um, Le Labo Tainoir. It's it's just one that I always come back to. I've got I've got some perfumes like Tom Ford Black Orchid is a good um you know I guess mainstream example. To me, that is a nighttime fragrance. And then I've got something like Byredo Baldafrique, which is a daytime fragrance to me and sort of more summer. But Tainoir Le Labo is just year round, any time of day, heaven. I actually really find it interesting. I have always wanted to love the Byredo and Diptyque perfumes. Yeah. But on me, something about this on is my the skin, skin it's, I just can't. It's, it's you know, it's just the makeup of our skin. Um, Chanel Number no. 5 is a good example for me. It's one of the most iconic perfumes of all time. I will smell it on other people and go, oh, that smells beautiful. I spray it on me. Nah, <laughs> it's just not, not a happening thing. Byredo... Um, Gypsy water, actually, as well. I smell that on other people. Beautiful. I smell like a tramp with it on. It's just <laughs> like a gypsy living under the bridge. It's not... Nah. What is next for you? Oh, God. You know what? I get asked that a bit, and um, I just don't know. I love... Um, I like to set myself quite long-term goals, but I think for me it's just... You know, when I think about what I'm doing now, this job didn't exist when I was at university. Um, so I don't like to set myself, I don't like a timeline and I don't like little, very specific goals because I feel like, um, I mean, this sounds really pessimistic, but I feel like you can set yourself up for disappointment. And where I'm at now is so far beyond where I ever thought I would be. So I don't like to have 
I guess it's um, having a singular focus. I like to keep myself open to opportunities and um, my philosophy of late has just been pick the option that will bring the most opportunity. And I think think old mate Zoe Foster Blake actually posted this on Instagram because sometimes that option is staying at home and tidying up an article or writing up a pitch and sometimes that option is going to a party and meeting people and networking. So... I just, um, I don't know what's next. I like to keep myself open to possibilities. Well, I have no doubt that many exciting things are to come. Fingers crossed. And before I let you go, we've spoken about the eight beauty products that you're taking with Mm. you to Beauty Island. And now it's time for you to select just one that you will take with you to keep. Obviously, I'm I'm sending you to the island. I'm giving you a bucket load of sunscreen. You don't need to worry about that. Yeah, thank God. So just the product that is most special to you. Which one are you going to pick? I mean, it's so hard. If we were speaking um, very, um, like, literally, then I would be taking the YSL Paris perfume so I didn't get homesick. But in a perfect world, mum and dad and my partner are also on the island. (laughs) So, I mean, I would probably take my creme de la mer. It's a beautiful moisturiser. If I've got it sitting there, I'm not going to not use it. So I think that's my number one. Love it. Gemma, thank you so much. It's been an absolute delight speaking to you. And of course, all the products we've talked about, as well as all Gemma's socials and where you can find the Glow Journal podcast will be in the show notes. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beauty Island. If you enjoyed it, it would be a great help if you could subscribe, leave a five-star rating, write a review or recommend to a friend. Beauty Island is a small, independent podcast, and those things really help other beauty lovers find us. And when I say us, I mean the host, producer, and editor, aka me, myself, and I. I'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback on the podcast, so you can find me on Instagram, and now the podcast has its own page, at Beauty Island Podcast, or email me. The address is in the show notes, along with all the products we spoke about today. I also love seeing if you're listening to the podcast via Instagram stories, so share and tag me in those if you feel so inclined. Now I'll get out of your ears. Thank you, and until next time, bye-bye.